Make the most out of your daily commute or next road trip in a new Audi from Audi Atlanta. And what better way to do it than behind the wheel of a stylish Audi A5 Sportback? Hey, it's Finn, along with my friends at Audi Atlanta, here to introduce this city to the Audi A5 Sportback. With a versatile and athletic design, the beauty lies within, combining the sleekness of a coupe with the practicality of a four-door hatchback. And right now, you can lease the Audi A5 Sportback for $537 per month. Find yours at AudiAtlanta.com. And use the Jim Ellis Expressway to start or complete your entire purchase online or shop in person on Petrie Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Experience the thrill of driving like never before at Audi Atlanta. Offer applies to a 36-month lease, 2024 Audi A5 Sportback 40, 537 per month, 10,000 miles per year with 4731 due at signing. Example stock number A25954 MSRP 49,905 excludes tax, tag, and title fees. Offer expires 531.24 with approved credit. All right, welcome in to the second episode of the Punt and Pass podcast. Aaron, how's it going, my man? Doing good. Getting close. Getting close to college season's football season. Season's coming right around the corner. It's August the 16th. You just said it. Season's coming right around the corner. A lot to talk about. First off, we had a lot of fun taping our first episode of the Punt and Pass podcast a few weeks ago. We are on Instagram Live right now, making it fan-friendly. Follow us on Instagram at Punt and Pass, at Aaron Murray 11, at Drew Butler 13. But we got a lot of good feedback on that first episode, kind of laid out exactly what to expect throughout the season. So much good feedback that you and I kind of texted each other and said, hey, let's just kind of take tabs on what headlines come out in college football. And then we'll fire up one more sort of season preview. We'll touch on what's going on. And we have a lot going on, obviously. Fall camp very much underway. Coaches making the rounds on all radio stations, television stations, given the updates. A few starting quarterbacks have been named. A few uh, headlines, whether relevant or not, have come out. Most of all, it's just a lot of fodder for guys like you and I. So let's jump right into it, okay? Are you ready to jump right into it? rock and roll. Episode 2, Punt and Pass Podcast. One of the biggest things that came out over the past couple weeks was the situation with Josh Rosen, the starting quarterback, at UCLA. I think a guy that you and I can relate to a lot, student athlete for you, a quarterback. Now, he does go to UCLA, which may or may not have a bit more rigorous academic schedule than Georgia, but pretty interesting comments he came out and said, bluntly, that school and football do not go together. I think his quote was, they just don't. Now, I think what he was saying, Aaron, and Let's have a discussion about this because you and I can speak from experience. He was saying it's tough, and and you have to make sacrifices if you want to major in what you want to major in. Now, he is an economics major. He comes out and says he wants to get his MBA. He wants to start his own business. He also said if he wanted to do it the easy way, he would just graduate with a sociology degree in three years and go to the NFL. Now, is that a direct shot at you? Because did you major in no, sociology? No, minor, minor in okay. sociology. A little, a little baby, little baby dig at me. What a was bit your there. major? Psychology. Was that your intended major when you got to Georgia? It was not. I was probably going to go into a business major, and then kind of midway through, I uh, took a couple of psychology classes that based were based mostly on leadership, team building. And I actually was in a graduate program for industrial and organizational psychology. So I was working on my my doctorate. I was going to be Dr. Murray on the on the football field. I had high hopes for Dr. Murray. You would have put, <laughs> put it on your name. Oh, I would have put it on the nameplate. Why not? You Too bad it. it was going to take six years to get my degree 
So I kind of stopped after a year. So maybe go back. I don't know, five years ago. So we'll see. Maybe. But what are your initial thoughts on his comments? Does he have a point? I mean, I, I think Jim Moore, his head coach, kind of hit the nail on the head. And it was almost exactly what I was thinking when he said, you have opinions when you're 18 to 22 years old that you won't exactly hold. Like for me, I'm now 28. I believe you're, what, 26? 26. Um, you probably thought some things back in college that you don't think now. For example, when I was a freshman at Georgia, that first freshman summer, you're getting pulled in every other direction. Your schedule is made for you from 7 p.m., excuse me, 7 a.m. to sundown. You think it's the hardest thing in the world. You honestly do think it's the hardest thing in the world. And now, being in the real world, looking back on that freshman summer, I'd do anything to go back there. Oh, yeah. Easy street, you know? I mean, just you're pretty much given everything Ab- from tutors to here's your schedule to here's some cool equipment to wear in practice. Yeah. And I mean, everything's handed to you. You really don't have to work for anything, which is it's school. It's college. It's a university. It's a big time university. It's supposed to be hard. School is not supposed to be easy. Exactly. If it was easy, everyone would have a degree and everyone would be making millions of dollars every year. So I think that's where these kids kind of or just don't really get it. It's not meant for you to go and excel at both all at once. It, it takes hard work. It takes sacrifice. And, and you look at kids that don't play football. These kids have jobs. I know I had plenty of buddies who went to school all day and worked all night at a restaurant or a bar, and they're working until 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, getting sleep and going back and taking 18, 21 hours. I mean, we're taking 12 hours, and then with the 20-hour rule with with football practice, you're really limited on the amount of time you can be in the facility working out, practicing. So, yes, it takes some, you know, time away from maybe your Xbox or going and taking a girl on a date, but it's not supposed to be easy. Life's difficult. College is difficult. Playing football at a major university is difficult. You need to figure out ways to carve out time. Absolutely. And Pat Forty at Yahoo Sports, he wrote a really good article about it, kind of agreeing with Josh Rosen, which was really interesting, but... He points out different universities, one being Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech specifically, both of my brothers-in-law went to Georgia Tech. It is not an easy school. I would fail out of Georgia Tech in a heartbeat. I stink at math. I'm not very good at science. If I had to go to an engineering school, I don't think I would succeed in football because I would have to spend so much time on my studies and in the classroom. For me, personally, I made a little bit of a sacrifice. I wanted to be a broadcast journalism major at George's Grady School of Journalism. And guess what? I couldn't do it because back then when there was that specific broadcast journalism major, you had to work at George's television and media station for a semester. Obviously, with football, you can't do that for the fall for specific obvious reasons, having games, and then in the spring because of spring football and your workout schedule. So I did an XPEX thing, which was telecommunications major. Okay, am I complaining about it? No, not really, because looking back, I mean, are you going to do something that your degree is in, that psychology degree, minor in sociology, almost a doctor? Are you going to be using that here in the near future or no? Will not be Dr. Murray anytime soon, but it, it was it was useful for me at the time, which was nice. But I just think Josh's biggest problem, which he has, is not so much the timing and how difficult it is to be in school and do football at once. It's kind of the administration and where they're kind of leading kids towards. No doubt. And they're trying to lead these kids to easier majors, something that maybe these kids have no interest in, whatever it may be. They're just being put there because, hey, you can go and do 12 hours you can get a C, get your degree. Yeah, you may not use it, but at least you were here. You played football. You didn't have a difficult time in the classroom, and you can focus 
the majority of your time on football. Yeah. Where I think his problem is he just wants, in which I believe kids just need to be informed, like, hey, this is a possible major. This is a possible major. This is what you can do with this degree, not just go take these classes, pass it so you can play football. And I think that's what his, his complaint is right now. I don't think he's too worried about it being too difficult, too, not too difficult. It's just these kids need to be informed about what exactly they're getting into, how it's going to help them out later in life, and what possible jobs they can get. And if we're being bluntly honest, that, that piece of paper, that degree carries weight, right? I mean, sometimes the goal, if you meet a kid and he works extremely hard, sometimes he just doesn't have it at a specific university. UCLA, not an easy school. A place like Georgia Tech, not easy. God forbid you get into a West Point or a Stanford or go to an Ivy League school. You better buckle up. Of course, these academic advisors are going to look at the situation at hand and go, hey, let's help this kid graduate. Now, does it matter what he graduates in, or is it more important that he stays there for four years, gets the necessary work done, and graduates for himself, for his family, for his future? I think that's the most important thing because, again, you and I, being at Georgia and now being removed for some time, understand that sometimes, not most of the time, but sometimes, some of the guys on your football team are simply not cut out for a major college experience academically. Would you agree with me no, on that? No, they're definitely not. And I know they're just from based where they're from or what's going on in their family, that it's a privilege for them and they are definitely take advantage of it. I still believe that they need to be informed ahead of time what's going on. What is their major? What, what can they do with it? Not Yeah, a, a piece of paper is awesome. And, and I, I'm doing stuff right now that is not in my degree. Um, and it the having the University of Georgia logo on my my degree, yeah. the connection with football definitely opens up a lot of doors, especially in the Atlanta area. But a lot of kids just have a piece of paper and they don't know what to do with it. I just think that from the administrator's point of view, they need to do a better job of informing these kids and helping them out so at least they can somewhat start to prepare for life after football. Let's put some onus on the players, though, also, because – the coaches in the administration and the academic staff do such a good job of putting you in front of lettermen, putting you in front of alumni. Hey, guys, wake up. I don't know if that's everyone, though. I know Coach Rick, Coach Rick did a great job of he networking, did. but I don't know if every team does that job where, you know, in the spring they're bringing yeah. a bunch of businessmen from Atlanta to come in and talk to you about this profession and that profession, what you need to do in order to For get sure. here. Compared to, I, I don't know what other schools are doing that. I'm sure UCLA is doing it. I'm sure Stanford's doing it. But maybe these other schools just are, like I said, here's a, here's a class, go take it, pass it, and let's go play football. Yeah, well, sometimes, like we just said, it's not always the worst idea to help a kid graduate by any means necessary. But Rosen then kind of doubles down. Now, take in mind, this uh, interview was done with Bleacher Report in the spring. He may feel differently now, a couple months removed for it. Also, pretty unique timing for the article to come out right when fall camp starts for these guys and with him being a projected first overall pick in next year's draft. But he doubles down and calls out none other than the University of Alabama. He says, up the SAT requirements at Alabama and tell me what kind of football team they would have. Now, I think in the SEC you could point to a school like Vanderbilt, um, I think if you can fill out an application, you'll probably get into Ole Miss. If you have, for whatever reason, some uh, unique reasoning to go to Starkville, Mississippi, you could probably get into Mississippi State. I mean, I'm just being you totally honest. You remember the kid honest. we met at the golf course the other week? I, kid, just oh, yeah. die hard. 
Mississippi send State. Send me to just Starkville. I said, and I asked Star- him one question. I said, have you been to Starkville? He nope. said, no. Nope, I go, never been. I was like, well, you should probably take a visit God first. God bless before, you, buddy. Yeah, for <laughs> real. But he, uh, Josh Rosen says it. He goes, you know, up the SAT requirements at Alabama and tell me what kind of team they would have. What are your thoughts on that? Because... Man, the kid's kind of coming across as a know-it-all. I know people give him a hard time because of his family background, extremely affluent. Uh, man, born and raised Manhattan Beach, California. Obviously, uh, I think dad's doing okay. Mom yeah, probably doing as fine well. At their Manhattan Beach. But you know what? Props to him because he's worked his ass off to get to that point. He is the starting quarterback at UCLA. Jim Mora, a former NFL head coach, isn't just going to hand the kid a job if he doesn't work hard and show that he is worthy of that position. But Alabama going after the champs, or I guess, I mean, the dynasty. What are your thoughts on I that? I mean, that's kind of risky going after you know Nick Saban and his crew. And it, it, not everyone's the same. Not everyone's been privileged enough to be to grow up in such a great area. Probably go to some of the best schools in the country. For sure. This and that. I mean, these kids. I mean, it's just a huge opportunity for them to go to school to be maybe the first ones in their family to to have a degree. So I don't think I think that kind of went overboard a little bit. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with his comments earlier. I think this was a, a kind of a too much of a jab um, at Alabama at the SEC. And and like I said, if, if you want to put these standards, and you'll be a lot of kids are going to be missing out on the opportunity to go to school, get a degree, help themselves, help their families. So I see nothing wrong with that. And, and that's exactly what Nick Saban said. He was asked about it in a press conference, which probably wasn't his uh, favorite thing to be had going on at his press conference, but he said exactly that, Aaron. He goes, look, I mean, it's a big deal to get a degree for the, for the main reasons you just said. Maybe this is the first person in the family that's been able to go to college. Maybe a person's going to work at a specific degree that doesn't have, you know, the economics from UCLA type uh, ring to it, but he's going to get that expensive piece of paper. He's going to move forward for his future, and it's most important that these guys make the sacrifice, put the hard work in, play football, and graduate college. That's the big picture here. So Josh Rosen, as former student athletes, I agree with you to an extent, but probably don't say it out loud. I mean, you're the starting quarterback. I just saw now uh, a tweet just came across my computer that Jim Moore, the head coach, comes out and says that he would bet that Josh Rosen stays next year. Um, no. no. So no you know chance. what? Hey, if you want to double down on your comments again, stay in school and get your degree, okay? Yeah. Pass over that number one overall probably guaranteed upwards $22, $24 million contract. Stay in school. Get that economics degree. Show me how bad you want to build your business. staying in you're getting hurt and losing that money. We'll see. Exactly. All right, so that's our first topic. Uh, A a second topic we're going to touch on probably in about 10 minutes or so. Aaron, it may hit home from you because it has to do with uh, a former Bachelor contestant, Jordan Rogers, now with the SEC Network. He called out our boy, Jacob Eason, who I know Aaron has a relationship with, the Georgia quarterback. We're going to touch on that in a minute. We might even have to get Josh Murray's comments on that because Jordan Rogers, Josh Murray, I don't know. Are they friends? Do they know each other? Yeah, they're friends. Okay. I think everyone in the Bachelor world's friends. Okay, Unless cool. it's your ex. And then after yeah. that, it's kind of, you're just That'll be from interesting. That All right, so we'll touch on that in about 10 minutes, but an SEC topic, again, uh, made some waves today, was David Pollack, former Georgia great, three-time All-American, I believe. I, I think him and Hersher are the only three-time All-Americans at Georgia. Guess who he picked to win the SEC East? Definitely not the dogs. Definitely not the dogs. He picked the Florida Gators. Aaron and I both currently in the Atlanta area, Georgia fans all over. 
and David doing what he does. Now, he's an analyst. I believe you're an analyst too now, Aaron. So the job is to what? Analyze, prognosticate. Yes. You're making guesses. What are your thoughts on David kind of riling up the Georgia fan base, or is he simply doing his job? No, I think he's doing his job. And, and you have that's where the difficulty comes when you are in this position now where you got to be honest, and you can't – you can't favorite your school. You can't say they're going to win every single game when it's it's unrealistic. Or it, it may be. I think Georgia has a great squad this year. Um, I think they have a difficult schedule when it comes to looking at who they play at home and who they play on the way. And I think that's one of Pollock's big things was if you want to look at the schedule, Georgia at home, South Carolina, Missouri, Mississippi State, some of the big ones away. They have to go to Tennessee, to Auburn, some big away games in the SEC, and obviously the game against Florida. Florida, their away games, the big away games in the SEC. Missouri, South Carolina, they get Tennessee at home. They get LSU at home. They get A&M at home. So the difficulty in schedule for home and away games is, I think, a huge factor right here when you look at it, when you want to look at the difficulty of playing on the road in these SEC, SEC stadiums against that type of talent. That does play huge. So I think he's right in that aspect. I think Georgia right now all around is a better team. If we just want to look at the SEC and we want to say these are the best two teams in SEC East, Florida, the big question mark is who's going to be their quarterback. I know they have a great defense. they got great guys around him uh, on the offensive side. Pretty good offensive line, good receivers, good running backs. But you need a quarterback. That's what they've been missing. And yeah. And once again, they don't know who's going to be their quarterback beginning of the season. Yeah, they do have a good offensive line, which is what Pollock points out. I'll, I'll disagree with you, though. I think David, now obviously he's done an extremely good job. He's on college game day. He gets those Thursday night games. He's in the booth. His ascension through sports media, especially college football analyzing, uh, has done nothing less than skyrocket. so credit to him for that. But, dude, I mean, it's Every single time. I haven't heard him say one good thing about Georgia. And I think he's the extreme. Though. I he think is. he's so worried about being exactly. too much for Georgia where he goes above and beyond. And I heard it, I heard him this morning on 680 The Fan here in Atlanta on the Rude Awakening. And he said that. He was like, look, I can't win. I'm in a lose-lose situation. If I say Jacob Eason's good, my Twitter gets flooded with you're a homer. And if I say Florida's going to win the SEC East – Every single Georgia fan says, I'm a hater. Now, I understand that, but, dude, your track record, let's look back on that. He does nothing but tear down Georgia. And one thing in specific that it's kind of getting tiring to me is the constant knocking down of Jacob Eason. I mean, he sits there and goes, I just don't have faith in Jacob Eason. Dude, what are we measuring Jacob Eason on? Last year, okay, his freshman, true freshman year. And Pollock's the first to point out how bad Georgia's offensive line was and last year. And receiving court. And Drops receiving court. Right. So Locked why right. is it on Eason? Why does Eason get the brunt of the blame going into the season? People saying, he can't do it. He's inconsistent. He can't make throws. Well, I couldn't make throws, and you probably couldn't make throws either if you had zero time in the pocket and your receivers weren't open. Well, listen, Drew, you don't understand. We get blamed for everything. <laughs> you should. I don't care if I throw five touchdowns and, and – and, you know, no picks for 500 yards. If we lose the game, you remember that pass Aaron missed? You remember that pass Aaron missed? That could have doesn't matter. We, it's all on us. Well, That's all I got to say. But I, going until back the to your kicker point, misses the game. Until the kicker goal, misses the field goal. And you're the, and, and you're the second round pick and <laughs> you get cut in your second season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a crazy world out there. But going back to David, it just, I think for us as analysts, the biggest thing is just be honest and be able to back it up. 
people are going to care if you pick your team or don't pick your team. But if you have good reasons why and they're legitimate, this is why I believe Florida is going to win. Yeah. This is why I believe Georgia is not going to win or Georgia is going to lose. Then if you have some backup, I think you're fine from there. You're right. And, and I mean, I guess to credit Pollock, unfortunately for Georgia fans, if you pick against Georgia the past for three or four years, you're, you're going to be right. And he's done that. He said they're not going to win the big game. He said they're not going to win in Jacksonville. Now he's saying they're not going to win the SEC East this year. We said it in our first punt and pass podcast. It's going to come down to Jacksonville. And that worries me. Now, for a guy like you, you won, what, three games in a row? Three games, yep. That's, that's big time. And, and that's what keeps coaches' jobs. And if Kirby doesn't get the job done and the Georgia Bulldogs don't get the job done in Jacksonville, this year, yeah, it's going to be hard to win the SEC East. Oh, it's going to be hard. And, and not only is it on Jacob, but I think it's on Kirby, too. I think he feels the pressure. You know, you lose those games last year in the SEC, and if you continue not to win those those big SEC games, those East games, the game versus Florida, I mean, people, fans, are they, they don't you don't get a, a lot of years right now as a college quarter, or coach. Yeah. You may get two, three, four years, maybe if you're lucky. Yeah, you probably if you're not if you're not winning these big games, you better watch out. You might be losing your job. That's it. And, and for Georgia, it's Tech, it's Florida, and I guess you could probably throw Tennessee Auburn and Auburn in, in there, there too. Yep. Um, yeah, and this year especially Notre Dame, which we'll touch on week two of the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm sure that'll be a big national game, but. David Pollock, dude, just take it easy. You know, just just tre- a little no. bit of love, just every now no, and then. No, tread you know, lightly. You know, if we're dude, playing, I mean, uh, you know, a team out of the top twenty-five, you can pick us to win. Well, it's fine. Yeah, we'll see, David Pollock. But he comes out, riles up the Georgia fan base, obviously, as he picks Florida to win the SEC East. Guess what? Now it's up to Georgia to prove him wrong, and and get and guess what? David gets the best out. Hey, if Georgia wins, I'll be the happiest man ever. But yeah. like you said, he's doing his job. He's an analyst, and he gets paid to be right even if he's wrong. So hopefully he's wrong. It's like, kind of like the weatherman. Yeah, dude. Kind of like the weatherman. You guys have a pretty good gig. Just <laughs> say whatever you want and get it's gonna me rain. smile. Ruin our go- We're not, I'm not going to go play golf today. It's going to rain. Go out there and it's just beautiful. Say whatever you want and uh, smile. Not a bad gig. Aaron Murray, you're going to be living that nice life I up in the booth. Yeah. Maybe some cold games, but you'll have that heater underneath. Oh, gosh. You'll be chilling, I dude. Yeah, I got a couple games out west this year. going to be... Well, Colorado State. What's your first Bobo. week game? Do you have your first week game? Going game? to FIU versus UCF first game. Okay. Thursday night football. Orlando. Orlando, baby. Thursday night. So that's the week one of the season. And then last game of the year, going to Hawaii. Going to be a nice little, little maybe do a little week vacation, he gets, pre and post. Look at that, dude. He gets to vacation in Hawaii. Who knows retirement from the NFL? What a so gig. Nice. <laughs> what a gig. All right, next topic. Uh, Aaron, we got, we got to touch on this one. Jordan Rodgers. Okay, Jordan Rogers, who I didn't even know was the quarterback at Vanderbilt back in 2011, my senior year, your June, no, your sophomore year, when we won 10 games in a row, okay, we had a punt blocked late in the Vanderbilt game, and somebody made the tackle after the punt was blocked, I don't know who it was. Oh, oh, this guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh. well, you know, some people call it the $2 million tackle because who knows what would have happened to Coach Rick if they would have scored and we would have lost to Vanderbilt. But should call him down Miami and try to get some of that. I digress. Yeah. Jordan Rogers, former Vanderbilt quarterback. Now, he was a junior college transfer into Vanderbilt. Calls out Jacob Eason on SEC Now, on the SEC Network. And I heard, I heard the interview, and this was his quote. I'm waiting to see if he, being Jacob Eason, Loves being the Georgia quarterback, 
or if he loves football more. Now, this is coming from, mind you, a reality TV star, a guy who has gained a lot of notoriety for winning The Bachelorette to JoJo Fletcher, I believe is her name. I know name. someone else who won that before. I think we... I think I know someone else. So Aaron has a little bit of um, history, history with the show. Josh obviously doing very well for himself. I think he's on a new reality he's show. He's on a new show right now. And which one's that? Bros versus Joes. I don't even know. Bros he's on Joes. too many for me to catch a keep up with at the moment. <laughs> okay, but uh, okay, hey, so look at Jordan Rogers parlays a little bachelorette fame into a gig at the SEC Network. For him. And now he's calling out a guy who's in the fire, Jacob Eason, much like what you'll be doing here pretty soon, sitting up in the cozy box, calling out players, <laughs> bleeding and sweating on the field, right? You used to do it. Now you can call him out. I, I have a lot of problems with this because this narrative on Jacob Eason is tired. It's tired. This is all people have been saying. Let's get one thing straight. Athens, far better than Nashville, of course, with Vanderbilt being there, right? I don't know how much a college student can go and have a lot of fun on Broadway, but Athens, greatest college town in America. I mean, a little biased, but yes, I agree. Uh, show me one that's better. I, I can't. Okay, thank I honestly, you. I can't. And now he's coming out here saying... Jacob Easton likes being the Georgia quarterback too much. Now, he, he even goes into saying, like, I'll be really interested to see uh, his progression throughout the fall, what kind of reads he's making, his completion percentage, going back and saying if Jacob Easton didn't go out on Friday night in the spring, he would have a higher completion percentage and, and his progressions through his reads would be better. Dude, give me a break. I mean, the guy is at Georgia. He's the starting quarterback. Did you go out? He's a human. He exactly. He's a kid. He's a college kid. For sure. And and everyone, even just going back to Pollock as well, he was a freshman last year. Yeah. The kid was a freshman with a line that gave him no time with receivers. I couldn't tell you a game I turned on where a big drop wasn't happening left and right. The kid played well for a true freshman, I thought. I mean, yeah, he made mistakes. There's going to be a learning curve just coming from a smaller division of high school to big-time SEC football, there's going to be some challenges. And he faced them last year. And I think everyone's excited to see what he can do from year one to year two. But I don't think what he's doing in January, February, March is going to kill him, especially because I've heard nothing but good things from he's showing up to workouts, he's organizing team activities in the offseason when it comes to seven-on-seven. Seven. He's doing the right things. Yes, is he going out on a Friday, Saturday night in April? Yes. I hope so. I, why not? <laughs> if you're a college kid, I see nothing wrong. You don't need to be locking yourself inside your room. You need to be out with your teammates, have a little fun, be a college kid. But when it comes to grinding and showing up to workouts and organizing workouts, which he's done, he's doing the right thing right now. And I'm excited to see his progression just from year one to year two, from freshman to sophomore, not anything based on what he's done in the offseason off the field. Yeah, I mean, has he gotten in trouble? Has he been arrested? No. Um, has he put his hands on a girl? He's done. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> illegally. Illegally. Illegally, no. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> who knows what else? I mean, he, give the kid a break. My yes. God, he's going into his sophomore year at Georgia, the I mean, offensive what kid, line. What, kid in, what quarterback in college football? Or in the NFL in the offseason. I, I, guess, I guess Jordan Rodgers in Juco or, or wherever not, he went to Juco. not having a little bit of fun in the offseason. 
I don't know. I mean, I watched Last Chance U on Netflix. That follows a junior college football team. They don't have much of a social life. So maybe Jordan is coming from a place of just, just I mean, football I would be only. Too, if I didn't go to UGA. Yeah, okay. Just, I, can't, exactly. I can't see a world without Athens. So. All right. So you know, it's just different for me. The, the talking point on Jacob Beeson's maturity is tired, and we need a new talking point. And he can shut everybody up extremely quickly. The offensive line can do it for him by giving him more time. The receivers can get open. Javon Wims, Riley Ridley. Miko Harden, Terry Gowan, these guys can open the door for Jacob Easton and, and finally just shut everybody up. I mean, let the kid go out. I hope they blow out Appalachian State and he goes out right after, takes pictures with whoever the hell he wants, and just says, you know what, I'm ready for Notre Dame and South Bend. Well, I think another problem was with SEC Media Day, or it was maybe earlier in the season when um, Kirby came out and was just loving on Fromm. And I have nothing wrong with that. Fromm came in working his butt off, getting numbers to the receivers, throwing the receivers in the film room. I love that. That that's was me. I grinded my butt off. I was yeah. in the film room every day. Yes, I had some fun too, but when I knew it was time to work, and, and football was a job for me. You know, School was a job, football was a job, and I took it very serious. Uh, I had time to blow off some steam, but I think his comments about Jake Fromm and and how much how hard he was working kind of brought pe- kind of got the topic started a little bit about why are you praising him so much and not Jacob about it? Yeah. And I think that's what got the ball rolling and people started having those questions. But everything I've heard from this summer about Jacob is he's been grinding. He's been do- he's been becoming a leader. Uh, because like it or not, you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. You're a quarterback of a team. You're going to be the leader. For sure. Guys that have been there for four or five years are looking to you. And I think he just needs to continue to step up in that role. Yeah, everything in moderation. You know, you need the healthy balance. Everything in moderation, including moderation. That's an old Matthew McConaughey quote for you. There you go. Always keep it on top of it. Okay, we got a couple more topics to touch on, but one thing I, I do want to mention to our listeners is we had a bunch of really good reaction from that first episode. I know we'll continue to. We're growing across all social media platforms. It's pretty easy to follow us. It's at Punt and Pass. That's on Instagram. That's on Twitter. If you want to email us, it's puntandpass at gmail.com. Aaron, you're at Aaron Marie 11 We're streaming on Instagram live right now. I'm at Drew Butler 13, and I think we're going to – I'm going to read a couple fan questions here, just fire some away from me that we got on Twitter, and then I'm going to switch over, and we're going to go Instagram Live on our Punt and Pass account. Nice. Yeah, get the, get the word out. Okay, so first question from Gatadogs, at Bass and Dogs, says, which special teams member are you looking most forward to watching – play this season. Now, Aaron, uh, I'll go ahead and take this yeah, question. You take this one for us a little bit. Yeah, he, uh, he says, for me, it's Miko Hardman on kickoff return duty. I think it'll be really interesting to see how Miko gets into that return game. Another person, too, you got to say, and I'll be biased here, is the, the, the newcomers at the kicking positions. Uh, David Marvin's a, a transfer from Wofford. Cam Nizalek is a t- transfer from Columbia. These are seniors who want to make an impact. They're going to have their chance to shine. I think it'll be really interesting to see how the kicking game comes to fruition because at times it lacked a year ago. If we can win the field position battle, Georgia will be in much better position to put a few more dubs on the board in 2017. Ryan Skates, a good friend. From the poor man's game notes, Aaron, he says projected 2017 UGA record. Come on, Ooh. real quick, tell me. Projected? Yeah. Oh, man, let me look at the schedule real quick. Let me see where we got. I got... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ten and two. Ten and two. Who are the two, two losses? Auburn. I'm a little scared about Auburn. Okay. At Auburn, good team. Yep. I think they got a, a great squad, great running backs. I'm excited about this new quarterback they have. Um, 
in that Florida game. It's just we have a tough time in Jacksonville. <laughs> I think we got to get over the hump. You're right. We got to get over the hump. All right. So if Georgia loses, they go ten and two. Are they going to win the SEC East, especially with a loss in Jacksonville? I think they will. I don't think with the quarterback, with the, what's going on in the quarterback position at Florida right now, I don't think they have a guy, a leader for that team to kind of rally around. They can only rely on that defense so much. I think they need someone week in, week out that they can say, that's our quarterback, that's our leader. Yeah. We're going to follow him. And I think they're going to stumble a couple times. Yeah, I, I would I would agree Florida stumbles a couple times. One game that I'm really nervous about after looking over the schedule is a home game versus Mississippi State. Probably be like a noon kickoff. Georgia will be probably 3-0 and in that point if they mm-hmm. beat Notre Dame. Just a classic Georgia no show. I mean yeah. that that would just early yeah early just, game just slow start just and then worry you get behind me in the worst like, way. Oh, no, just worry me in the worst way. Um, so we'll see there. Will Burgess at Will Burgess Eleven says, "What are your thoughts on Lee Corso's take that the world's largest outdoor cocktail party should be moved to home and home, move them out of Jacksonville and go home and home like the Iron Bowl did?" Now remember the Iron Bowl between Auburn and Alabama used to be held at Legion Field in Birmingham. Now it's a home and home. Obviously, the biggest rivalry in college football. What do you think about Gainesville to Athens, Georgia, Florida? I, so I'm a Florida boy. I grew up in Tampa. I sorry all the Georgia fans. I I grew up a Florida fan. I went to a lot of games. My uncle's a Bull Gator, big donator. So I just was there. I was there all the time. Yeah. And I always wanted to play in the swamp. Yep. And I think it'd be awesome to get that opportunity to play in the swamp. It never happened. I'd be all for it. I think it's fun. To, I think they would enjoy coming up and playing Sanford. I think our guys would enjoy going to the swamp. I see nothing wrong with that. I think it, at the end of the day, it is a very unique experience when you get to that stadium in Jacksonville and you run out of the tunnel, and it is right down the middle. Yeah, it's awesome. Just blue on one side, red on the other side. You're like, wow. It's a bowl. Is, it's a bowl game a in great, midseason, yes, which is it's awesome. It's a great thing to see. So, I'm I'm indifferent about it. I think either way it would be fun. Um, I've had some special times in Jacksonville, but. I always grew up. I would have loved to play in, in the Swamp a couple times. It would have been fun as well. Yeah, for sure. I think the only SEC stadium that I did not play in was the Swamp. But you have to think, kids our age, uh, the past 20 years, Jacksonville has not been friendly. So I'm all for it. Move out of Jacksonville. There's not many good memories uh, on well, the really, whole. It's almost a home whole. game a little bit, yeah. too. You're in Florida. If you look outside the stadium, it's mostly Georgia pe- or Florida people. Yeah, so. I'm all for a home and home. Next question, Justin Hubbard at jhub93. Aaron, I'll ask you this one. What was your favorite win from your UGA days? Favorite win? He's got the answer right here, I think, but we'll see. All right, I'll say, I'll say it first. My favorite win, I, it has to be the LSU game Ooh, my senior year. Justin was Hubbard, right? 2013 versus there LSU. There we go. I mean, college game day was there. Yeah. I think they were undefeated. We had the one loss, but we were rolling at that point, feeling good. Uh, just the back and forth. I mean, that game was awesome. Good game. Uh, Travis Bishop says, who's the most underrated teammate and opponent y'all played with and against? Underrated teammate with and against. Ooh, underrated. I got to go with Ben Jones for Yeah, me. Ben Jones. Ben Jones. I mean, that guy solid. was just, you want a nasty guy at offensive line, especially at center. And he was not only that, but he was a smart dude too. Absolutely. Um, and then Hunter Tyree kind of leads us in to our next topic. What do you and Aaron think of the recent financial aid mishap with the Florida players, and what type of punishment do y'all expect they should have? Now, the news here is Florida has suspended seven players for their season opener versus Michigan, so they're not playing some patsy, uh, which is important to know because a lot of times you're going to play a smaller school and it's not going to have much of an impact, but seven players – 
have been suspended for making improper charges on their student IDs at the school bookstore and then selling those items for cash. That is illegal. One of these people is Antonio Callaway, probably their top playmaker. He is a wide receiver, and this is not his first run-in. Uh, a year ago, he was arrested and I think suspended for sexual assault allegations. Also a uh, misdemeanor for mar- marijuana possession as well. All right, so Antonio Callaway, a high-character kid, I believe. I mean, how, many, how many chances do these kids get? Well, they're at Florida, at Florida so um, little, the other uh, uh, players suspended are offensive lineman Kadeem Telford, linebackers James Houston, Ventrell Miller, defensive lineman Just Jordan Smith, Richard Desir Jones, and Kivonis Davis. Aaron, what are your thoughts? Because uh, this happens a lot in the offseason. It can be a big distraction, especially for a team like Florida who's gearing up to play Michigan in Dallas. I think it's awesome uh, what Coach McElwain did to suspend them versus Michigan. A lot of team coaches would, all right, we're, what's our schedule look like? When can we maybe suspend these guys where it didn't really matter to me? They'd only be playing a quarter or two anyways. I mean, to suspend seven guys for this game, I think, was good for him. I mean, as a coach, I think we were very lucky with Coach Rick where he not only wanted us to become better football players, but he wanted us to become better men, to become responsible. And this is what he's teaching them right now is you got to grow up. You know, you're a college kid. You're going to be an adult. you got to take care of a family one day. you got to get a job. You can, there are consequences for your actions. And he's, he's showing these guys, I don't care who we're playing, what's going to happen. If you mess up, you know, you're going to get in trouble. So it's going to be interesting to see just with even Antonio, you know, how many more chances is he going to give him? That's three strikes right now. Usually at this point, you'd be out of there. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Antonio, a guy, obviously, who's looking to play at the next level. And, unfortunately, these coaches understand that you have to give your top playmakers the benefit of the doubt. If you want to win a lot of football games, which is co- which is what coaches need to do in order to keep their jobs, they're going to do everything they can to keep these kids eligible. So, of course, Antonio gets another strike, but we'll still see – the light of day for the 2017 football season, as a Georgia fan, I would expect him to probably have a, like a monster game in Jacksonville and be like, Huge yeah, game. of course, the biggest. If they can find someone to throw him the ball. Of course. So what are your thoughts, though, mostly on the, the type of distractions that this brings to a football team in camp? You're spending a ton of time with these guys. You're really just trying to gear up, especially for a huge season opener. Well, you can't build chemistry. These guys, you know, you want to be you want to prepare the guys that are going to play in that first game. So now you're not being able to play. You got your starters. You're not being able to give them all the reps they need. You're getting guys reps that aren't going to be playing come week two. So it just throws everything off from you from a coach's standpoint of, hey, I want to get him reps. Maybe I'll get him two now, and then we'll bring the other guy in and get him two. And you know, you just don't fully prepare someone because now you're having to split reps left and right for all these suspended guys. And and also just momentum. You want to start the season off right. There's nothing worse than coming into week one. I mean, they've, been, they've had this game circle on their calendar since January. It's one of the biggest games of the year. It's a great way to get the season started. And now you have this huge distraction, this huge uncertainty. And, and obviously, it deflates you a little bit as a team. As a player, if you're going in against what is the number nine team in the country and you don't have all your weapons, you're a little scared. And, and right now, it's a huge distraction for Florida. And, and hopefully, they can find some guys to step up and push it back, push this away from them. But it's going to be difficult. It'll be tough. Uh, hopefully, these kids can really. I mean, it sounds like they were short on cash, which is an unfortunate situation. But I think all college kids are short yeah, on cash. You just you just can't 
do that. I don't know if the punishment fits the crime here because that's pretty serious with the, I guess you could call it fraud. I mean, they were buying stuff with money they didn't have and then selling it for cash, but uh, not a good look for Florida. Coach McElwain obviously cannot be happy, and it could cost him that big-time game versus Michigan. Moving around the SEC, we got a few more minutes left here on the second episode of the Punt and Pass podcast. Auburn does what was expected, and that's named Jarrett Sidham the starting QB. Now, the note here, Aaron, is that this is the third transfer quarterback to start for Auburn since 2010. And guess what? The last two, Cam Newton, who transferred from JUCO via Florida, and Nick Marshall from JUCO via Georgia, both went to the national championship game. Obviously, Cam Newton won his national championship. Nick Marshall, they lost theirs to Florida State, but... Yeah, they lost to Florida State, right? Yeah, yeah, versus uh, Florida State and James Winston. But Jarrett Stidham gets the nod. He's a transfer from Baylor. It was expected, but now everybody can get behind him. There, there's no uh, guessing game as to what will happen the weeks leading in to the first game of the season. They'll be ready to go that second week when they play Clemson. And Jarrett Stidham, a lot of people have high hopes for him. Auburn looking to take down Alabama in the SEC West this year. I would. I think they've... Uh, I think it's been kind of a, like you said, a done deal for a while now. I think the team's kind of gone behind him all summer uh, from just reports we've been hearing from Auburn. And he, the good thing is he's been in this offense. He's been in, in was it 2015? He had over 1,200 yards passing, 12 touchdowns for Baylor. Very similar offense. Um, you know, I don't know how athletic he is. Malzahn's claiming he runs a 4-6. I don't know. I'm going to have to see That's it. It's dicey. It's very <laughs> dicey. I don't think he's Cam Newton. No. But – He's used to the spread offense. If he has any kind of athleticism, any kind of wiggle to maybe do a little bit of his own option, but I think right now they need balance. You know, they have those two stud running backs. They need to find ways to kind of unload the box a little bit for those guys to kind of let them get some free free reign to run. And, and this guy can throw the ball deep. He can throw it all over the field. So it's going to kind of open this offense. And that's why I kind of – I'm nervous about when, when Georgia goes there. I think the game versus – the Iron Bowl is going to be very difficult. I think this is a very balanced offense. I think it's a very a very good team, uh, and they got a chance to win the West this year. They certainly do, and it's going to be a big-time season for Auburn, and I think for Gus Malzahn especially, because if he just keeps losing to Alabama, um, time is running out for him and his entire system on the plane. So let's look out for Jarrett Stidham. I would expect he probably has a pretty quick tar- quick start to the season, but then he gets what? a very fast test. Very fast test at Clemson. Clemson. At very Clemson. Ta- at Clemson, yes. very talented defense. I mean, Clemson team that maybe losing a couple guys on offense, but defensive-wise is going to be the strength of their team this year. So I've played there. It's not an easy place to play, especially versus a talented defense. So he's going to learn real fast, and Auburn, Auburn's going to learn very fast what kind of football team they have. Absolutely. Last topic here, Pat Forty, again, at yahoosports.com. He put out his top 25 college quarterbacks to watch in 2017. Now, this was not based on talent. This was not based on expectations. This was just kind of uh, an intriguing scale of quarterbacks, 1 through 25. We're going to touch on here the guys from the SEC. Jalen Hurts comes in as seventh in the top 25. He's the first quarterback out of the SEC on the board. And I'm so confused because the five-star freshman, Tua Tagovaiala, or whatever the hell his name is. I feel bad for analysts like you up in the booth who have to pronounce that a lot. But 
people. I mean, Jalen Hurts was a certified stud last year. I think he He's was SEC, SEC Offensive yeah. Player of the Year. Okay, so I don't understand why a coach like Nick Saban, who is so good at managing expectations and managing the game itself, is letting these storylines about, oh, well, if Jalen Hurts kind of uh, doesn't start the way we want him to, we'll throw Tua Tago Viola <laughs> in I there. Think that's, just, that's just the expectation in Alabama. Yeah, it's, I, it really and is. And I think that's the culture he he wants to bring is if you're not producing, i got a five-star behind you, so you better play well or this next guy's going to go in. So I think every player on that on that team goes into every practice, every game, like i got to produce because there is talent all over the place. And that's what makes – players better competition absolutely and i think that's what he that's what he's driving at. i think that's what he wants and and hopefully it drives jalen hurts to be sec offensive player again this year i don't know what more you can do i mean the guy did everything running passing um so we'll see what happens all right and then one team that we were talking about earlier who's going to have some trouble in that first game is florida this is the second sec quarterback in pat 40's top 25 to watch malik zaire now, this is a transfer from Notre Dame. He challenged SEC rules and won his challenge. He is a graduate transfer. Not very consistent at Notre Dame. I don't really understand where the hype is coming from, but Felipe I mean, Franks... If you can't start at Notre Dame, what makes you think you're going to start at Florida? Well, well, they really haven't had a quarterback. And, and they don't have one. Florida doesn't have a quarterback. Now, Felipe Franks had a decent year last year, correct? He was the freshman quarterback there last year. Um, Malik Zayers. I mean, why don't you want to build around someone? Once again, Florida is just... Just a journeyman. Let's get a guy in here for a year to kind of be just put in. Like, get behind someone, yeah. allow someone to develop, to grow, to play, have good games, have bad games. I think just go with Franks. Yeah. You know, see what happens. Build a, build a team around him instead of then, once again, next year, have to find a whole new quarterback to build your team around. It speaks to McElwain's talent as a coach, though, because it's worked the last two yeah. years. They've, well, they've had great defense. They've had great defense and defense. the competition in the SEC East, not the best. Not the best. Third quarterback on this list, we just talked about him, so we won't touch on it too much. That's Jarrett Stidham at Auburn. He was just named the starter. So Sean White being the competition kind of has been quelled at this point. But we'll see exactly how that season starts for him because we just talked about it. That second game at Clemson is going to be tough. And the fourth quarterback out of Athens, Georgia, coming in at number 19, Jacob Eason. A lot of hype as a recruit you got to feel bad for the guy. He had zero help a year ago. This is it for him. And I, I think the most important thing, too, is, yeah, if they win eight to ten games, which I believe they will, eight to ten games. Hopefully more than eight. Hopefully more than eight, but I think that's not out of the realm of what to expect from Georgia this year. If he significantly improves, I think Georgia wins the SEC East. It's going to fall a lot on that offensive line. You have Nick Chubb. You have Sonny Michelle. All the pieces are there. Protect the guy. Let him use that arm. And then we'll go from there. But Jacob Easton as the fourth most intriguing quarterback in the SEC East. Coming from you, a guy who has done it, who has played the position at the university, what are your realistic expectations for Jacob? I think big – I mean, you're the, usually the biggest jump you have is from year one to year two. You understand the speed of the game. You should understand the offense by now, be able to make the checks, be able to understand when I can and can't fit a ball into certain coverages. So – I'm expecting a pretty big jump, and not only just from him, but just the talent around him. You got a, a, a Nick Chubb, who now is a, another year out from surgery, should be healthier, should be able to rock and roll. Sony, I mean, there's just a ton of talent. And if that offensive line, it, which it comes down to every team, if that offensive line can hold off, create some running lanes, allow him to kind of get in the play-action pass game as well, uh, I look for him to make some big strides this year. Like I said, from year one to year two is usually when you see the big steps. 
Georgia fans would certainly hope so. I doubt most SEC fans elsewhere would hope so. They probably want some more of the same that happened last year in Athens. But it'll be interesting. College football right around the corner. It is August the 16th. Kickoff will be here before you know it. Aaron, you'll be on the road. You will be in the booth, nice and cozy, rocking that CBS Sports blazer. I know a lot of dog fans and SEC fans will follow you around, but I'm glad we got to tape another episode of the Punt and Pass podcast. Again, look out for us this season. We're going to be coming out every Thursday morning, so you can dial this thing up when you're driving to your beloved college town or when you're cracking open a cold one at your favorite tailgate spot. But we'll be here, and uh, we'll have a lot of games to play. We'll have some fun segments. Again, I love to prognosticate on some Southeastern Conference football gambling. I think I have a name for our gambling segment. What do you think about punt, pass, and pick? I like oh, it. I like it. Yeah. That was actually... Look at you yeah, being all witty. I can't, I can't I like take it. a lot of credit for that. I actually was meeting up with Sean Chaffis, a good buddy of ours, and he listened oh, to the first episode. Yeah. He said punt, pass, and pick for our college football gambling segment. That'll be great. And guess what? We're going to win you a lot of money because Aaron has tons to throw around. I'm sitting here in this a lot of knowledge. mansion right here in Chastain Huge. off Roswell Road. <laughs> My man is living life. All right. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the Punt and Pass podcast. We'll catch you soon, and we will get you all ready for week one of the 2017 SEC college football season.